It's the holiday season. The tree is up, the wreaths are out, and the fire is roaring away. You feel relaxed for the first time all semester, as a long winter break before you will give you a much-needed break from class and homework, and you'll be home for the first time in, well, you really can't remember. You already talked to your dad earlier, and he's coming in to meet you tomorrow. So as fun as this sorority Christmas party is, and how tempting it is to grab another glass of wine, you pull yourself away to get back to packing and maybe get a good night's sleep for once so you can enjoy the warm feelings on the car ride home. You bound up the old house's staircase, just as you have hundreds of times since you pledged. You dip into your room and revisit the pile of clothes you left half-folded next to your suitcase. A flutter in the room sends your head swiveling as your gaze settles upon the open closet door. You heard something. Was it a voice? The groans of an aged house? I mean, you know you heard something. The beating in your chest subsides as you think that maybe your roommate also stepped away from the party. As you inch toward the closet door, you call their name. The silence that follows is eerie. But maybe they just didn't hear you from in there, right? Peering into the doorway, you see nothing out of the ordinary. Just some shoes and assorted skirts and undergarments on the floor. On the rack in front of you, some dresses are hanging straight from the dry cleaners, still freshly draped in their long plastic coverings. As you get closer, your eyes scan the cramped space and find nothing. You feel your heart rate increase without warning. Suddenly a snapping sound fills your ears, your vision goes blurry, and you realize you've taken breathing for granted far too long. Long gasp accomplished nothing, and your face is being pulled and contorted by the dry cleaning bag clasped over your head. As things go dark, you can't help but think about how you won't be able to meet your dad in the morning. He's going to be so confused. And you just think about how worried he'll be. Jeez. Merry Christmas, huh? I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man. Look at me, Damien. everyone this is podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related we're your hosts i'm zach palmer sitting next to me is isaac wright oh and joining us perpetually via video conference from england <laughs> is chrissy beetle all right that's <laughs> your week's been that's just like your go-to line now. Yeah, right? no, no. I, I made a statement earlier that, uh, that I hate that you have, it's, you know, your unique uh, call sign. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very British, and I love it personally. <laughs> it's great. Uh, this week's episode, we're talking about the seminal slasher film Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about some horror news. <laughs> uh, I, I do love the echo effect. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Right. I mean, I, I've got some release dates of films, um, but more importantly, I've got the actual price now for on Troma now for the Return to Return to Newcom High, aka Volume <laughs> Two, <Yeah>. which <laughs> after people have been waiting forever for it, yeah. it finally got released on Christmas Eve, and it finally got a price now. For both parts of Return 2, as far as I know, 
it is the fourteen thirteen dollars ninety nine cents slash fourteen dollars. But that's to buy and keep. I don't know if you get a physical copy as of yet, but Troma has all that information. Right. And to rent it, it's five dollars. Bargain. Yeah, five dollars is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. For any movie, because I remember trying to rent something on Amazon, and it said you know four ninety nine, but then I looked at my bank account later, and it was fourteen something. This is when I'm big into Terminator, and I bought Terminator Two to rent, and it was like, no, you you paid fifteen dollars. I'm like, why? So why, why would you? <laughs> why would you rent Terminator Two? Because I didn't ha- have it, and I was drunk. Why would you rent Terminator <laughs> Two when we have it on PSP? <laughs> the best, yeah. the best format. We have it on a on a tiny tiny Blu-ray disc, tiny disc that we can <laughs> plug into our TV and have it like much smaller aspect ratio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also in Troma news, it was good old Uncle Lloydie's seventy third birthday on the thirtieth of December. Oh, wow. happy birthday! So, happy birthday, happy Lloyd. birthday, Uncle Lloyd. <laughs> He's a crazy man. <laughs> crazy man! <laughs> now, I don't know if these are US release dates or UK release dates. I assume they're US because the site I got them from was stateside. We have Us, the Jordan Peele film, being released on the 15th of March. Hell yes. Which seems really, really fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very exciting. We've got uh, Happy Death Day to You being released on Valentine's Day. I really enjoyed Happy Death Day. It was fun and stupid. It looked like it would be. I wanted to watch it so bad, but I never got around to going to see it. And now I just have to buy it now. The sequel looks more fun and more stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we have Pet Cemetery, which didn't have a great trailer. I am <laughs> yeah. probably the only one who thought that. Being released on the 5th of April. Uh, please don't screw it off. I like Pet Cemetery. Yeah. No, I mean, I love the original one so much that I really don't even want to see the remake, but that's just me. I love John Lithgow, so I think it it's, could be good. It, it, it shocks me that that's Lord fucking Farquaad. Yeah. Lord Farquaad from Shrek is Judge Crandall. Yeah, it's good. Mental. It's good stuff. We've got the remake, we've got the remake or sequel... No one's really sure to The Grudge, or technically to The Grudge 3 coming out mm. is in, it, ju- in June Is it like 21st. Is it like Rings? Is it like a... I have no clue. Ah. I assume so. I didn't know that they even made a sequel to the original Grudge. Yeah, yeah they, they made like yeah. they made like two sequels. It, yeah, um, I remember Juwan, and I remember The Grudge, and that's it. We have the Child's Play remake. Yes, coming out please. also on the 21st of July. No, June, sorry. Okay. Why? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Like, I'm down to at least watch it. it. It'll probably suck, but, like, I'm pretty down with all things Child's Play There's right now. no voodoo! There needs to <laughs> be I'm, voodoo! I'm angry over the, over the lack of voodoo. Yeah. No one wants AI. That's, it's dumb and overplayed. I need um, the voodoo. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is coming in in August on the 9th. Hell yeah. As is Midsommar, which is done by that guy who did Hereditary. Sweet. Yes. Okay, it's his awesome. new film. Oh, yes. Which seems really, it's really interesting. And then the thing I'm waiting for the most... Chapter two of it is released yes. on the ninth or on in September on the sixth. 
Yes. Wait. Hell yes. Wait, I'm so excited for that. Summer's going to be a good time. Apparently there is a new Terminator coming out in November. Boy, howdy. God, why? <laughs> <laughs> with, with Arnie and Linda Hamilton. I still, Whoa, still why. Actually. God, why, yes. Okay. I, I personally think still why, but... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm down. Uh, uh, Arnold, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, <laughs> give me some more fucking T, what, 150, what is T-100. he? T-100. Yeah, T-100, yeah. give me some more T-100 goodness, Arnold. I'm down. That, uh, <laughs> that sounds sexual. <laughs> what, uh, what news have you guys got? Uh, well, there, there's, um, two trailers that just released that I watched right before we started recording, uh, <laughs> that I think are, are gonna be, they're gonna be pretty good films. Um, it's gonna be, uh... They just released a trailer. What was it? It was like a week or two weeks ago or something. Uh, for the mm. haunting of Sharon Tate, uh, which is uh, Hillary Duff portraying Sharon Tate in like the days leading up to the Manson murders. Uh, which, as a personal true crime buff, very excited for. And the trailer it does seems super interesting. Yeah, the trailer looks really good. Anything surrounding the Manson murders is always a very interesting premise because it's just such a weird segment of, of of American history that you're just like, how the fuck did this happen? And so, anytime they release anything about it, I'm I'm super excited and interested. I'll tell you how it happened. Drugs. True. <laughs> I have a fun fact <laughs> about good old Charlie Manson. Really. His remains are currently in Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures fame. His remains are currently at Zach Bagans' haunted ma- haunted museum because Charles Manson's grandson, who ended up with the custody of his remains, apparently it was haunting the house and he couldn't have it in the house, so he <laughs> gave it to Zach Bagans. Oh, of all people, Manson? Zach Bagans. Charles Manson isn't dead, though. Yeah, he is. He, is. he died, he died last year. Yeah, he oh, died. he died last year. He totally died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ask a mortician. <laughs> Ask a mortician did an entire video on like how yeah. what they were doing I, with his book with his remains and who was, was getting it? them. Okay. Yeah. It was really so I'm. Cool. A- I must have been thinking of. I have researched a lot of serial killers. It's probably a different one than I was thinking was still alive. Well, you always hear about Charles Manson. He's like denied for parole, denied for parole, denied for parole, died, denied for parole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you hear you hear rumors about his death a lot. That's the thing. Is like I wasn't sure if it was real or not. No, it was it was legit. It was he was deader than. (laughs) I mean. I, he was he was a blight. Uh, <laughs> so like, he, he knew it in those later years, though. He wasn't even trying to get paroled. Like he well, knew. It. He's like, yeah, leave me in here, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he he'd always said that because he'd been in and out of prison all his life. He'd always said, if you let me out, I'll reoffend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a career criminal, so I mean, yeah. that's just like he was in jail so much before the murders, and like, I mean, he lived yeah. in he lived most of his life in prison. So yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I learned some new things today. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other trailer was uh, The Prodigy, right? The Prodigy, yeah. I'm excited about that movie a lot. Like, I thought that looked really good, because I saw a teaser when I went to see some other movie. It looked awesome. But the it looks official, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, the official trailer is out now. What, you said it came out like two days ago? Two days ago, yeah. yeah. Which would have been the third. Because if, if y'all sweet. are listening to this now, it's been like four days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good trailer. I'm excited about that one, too. Yeah, that looks really good. It's about um, a really 
uh, sorry, I burped. Uh, <laughs> about a really intelligent kid who gets possessed. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It looks really good. Yep. I like possession stuff. Mm-hmm, me too. Oh, I love Anything possession stuff. Yeah. Um, like, as far as news on my end, uh, like I said, they, uh, we were talking about this earlier. So they are bringing back Ripley's Believe It or Not. And the best part is that the new co-host is going to be Bruce Campbell. So if you, the Bruce. Yeah, I was about to say, if you need your Bruce Campbell fix, he's coming to Travel Channel sometime in 2019. Date's unclear. We're thinking probably fall, because that's when they bring back new shows. I love why sense. stars got rid of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, I don't know why they got rid of it. Yeah, I think it just it probably played a course. Did it, did it end on a good note? I mean, Yeah, it ended brilliantly, but they, they cancelled it, because... As you know, we don't get stars here. Stars is a US only cable channel. Really? They wanted to get Walking Dead level numbers. Now, Walking yeah. Dead's on AMC, which is in other yeah. countries. And they weren't getting those numbers, and they were confused on why. Yeah. It's a and different show. It's only just come to UK Netflix. The first season is only just out on UK Netflix. Like, Yeah. That's, yeah. They're, they're poor choices. They're People don't understand they're... globalization, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't understand the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People don't understand the internet, even still to this day. Well, yeah. uh, it's been, what, 20-something years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, but... the, the final thing I want to talk about is that alien shit, so I'll let you take the lead on that. No, you can you can talk about. Well, that I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Like I feel I, like you have a lot more to say. But all I was gonna say is that the Alien Twitter account, like the official Alien Twitter account for the franchise, has been releasing some interesting things, and it's kind of en- enigmatic. And I don't know what to make of it, but I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't gonna say anything because like there's no real information oh, yet. Okay. I mean, so the Ooh, they the posted Twitter- another thing. Um, oh, like they did 19 really? hours ago. I don't know if that's Ooh. the thing that you were talking about. No, I because the one that I saw was 17 hours ago. Oh, okay. so that was 19 hours. That would be yeah. That would be the thing I'm looking at now. Yeah, it seems uh, but, like it's going to be a game. It, no one knows. It does, but it says read, play, watch. So it might be like a combination, like multimedia thing. Basically, Ooh. what we're talking about, if you haven't seen it, is that the Alien Twitter account released a very enigmatic thing uh, saying, who is Amanda Ripley and what is she doing? And for those that don't know, Amanda Ripley was a protagonist in Alien Isolation, which is one of the best survival horror games ever, ever made. Ever made. And Amanda Ripley is easily the best transition of like a movie you know heroine to like a new medium it's like this is her daughter she's almost more badass plays her (laughs) i'm starting to play isolation oh it's so good alien isolation is like one of my top games of like all time like it's so good but so anyway long story short there, there's movement on the Alien franchise. I'm really stoked about it. It's either going to be like a comic book or a novel series paired with a game or paired with another movie or something. No one knows yet. They're trying to stir the pot, and we're going to stir the pot too because I love Alien. Maybe they're doing like a <laughs> Kojima thing where it's maybe where it's an interactive movie rather than a game. Ooh, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> like D, all of the above. It's MGS. <laughs> it would just be like the MGS4 of Alien. It's just. Eight oh, hours of film and like half an hour gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Like I said, I bought I bought MGS4. I'll buy this too. Don't <laughs> don't buy me out yet. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm buying it. Oh, speaking it, it, speaking of sort of horror related games, Death Stranding should be out this year, should it not? Featuring Del Toro, Norman Reedus, Mads Mikkelsen, yeah, the weird I mean, fetus, the weird fetus, the lobs. No, the crabs. It's crabs. You do? Do you? I don't know what the weird fetus is. Oh. If, you, if that's what oh. you're looking at me crazy about, yeah, you were giving me this look like, <laughs> like this is surprising me to my core. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard the words the weird fetus like outside of some really weird conversations. So. Norman Reedus and the funky fetus. That's what the name of the game is. Unofficially, oh, no. yes. What's it for? I mean, PS4, I assume. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. PS4 Norman exclusive. and the funky p- fetus. Yeah. It's PS4 yeah. exclusive. Because thanks, Kojima. It means I have to go Anyway, that's going to be a... Yeah, I think we need to cut it off here. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, there's two more things I wanted to talk oh, about shit, real okay. quick. Uh, they are doing an animated adaption of The Long Halloween... Ooh. The uh, one of my favorite Batman one stories. One of the best ever. Batman stories. Yeah. Not a super big fan of the Catwoman costume, but overall, still love that book. Pretty good. And it should be. It, it's gonna probably be two parts. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so it could be good, but I don't know. Their animated films for Batman recently have been bad. No, uh, DC are normally okay with the animated films. I didn't mind the last half of the killing joke where they actually got to the comic book yeah and, yeah, and stopped the having that half... stupid Batman the, love triangle yeah. the intro ruined the whole unfortunately it did. for me yeah that's the biggest problem with that uh, but they've done some good ones. They did uh, uh, Escape from Arkham, or Assault on Arkham, rather. Yeah. That was really good, and um, they did that Court of Owls one, which was really good. But then they have some hit-and-miss ones, like the Batwoman one one good, and then they have some other ones that weren't that they good. They also, so that one, Batman Ninja one was apparently really good. I haven't seen yeah, that yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Warner Brothers Studios is hit-and-miss on their animated stuff. Hopefully they take Long Halloween with a degree of care and make it really good. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all we can hope it. for, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. That's all we can ever hope for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last, very last thing uh, that I wanted to talk about is, uh, of course, we know Jordan Peele's doing a, uh, what is it, I guess, remake of Candyman, right? Yeah. Is it a remake? Yeah, he's remaking it... Candyman. Okay. Uh, and Tony Todd, who plays Candyman and Candyman. Uh, <laughs> he is, <laughs> is the Candyman. He is the Candyman, is interested in being in it, in any capacity, not necessarily just as... Yeah, he, he said he'd be willing to do just any role. Yeah, he's just like, I won't be in it. Yeah, well, <laughs> Please let me be in Tony, it. Tony Todd's brilliant. In a couple of other things I've seen him in, including a very terrible film called The Graves, which I only bought I only bought this film <laughs> in the same way that I only bought a film called Perkins 14, which absolutely fucking sucked. I only bought it because <laughs> the bat... I only bought that film because Michael Graves was in it, and this was before... I knew about how terrible Michael Graves was as a human being. <laughs> and this had the band Calabrese in for like five seconds. And I was Hell like, I yeah. need this. Okay. I need this. Yeah. I love those guys. <laughs> but it had like Amanda Weiss. It had Bill Mosley. It had Tony Todd. It was one of those like really terrible horror movies that had loads of big names. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it fucking sucked. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <laughs> 
Sorry, Tony. Them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all we got for news, so uh, we're going to move on to the main topic. Oh, yeah. Podcast of the Dead. So our main topic this week is the seminal slasher film Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, definitely not the first slasher film ever made, but it kind of uh, led the path to what we know as slasher films now. It kind of put that formula out there uh, to what later became, you know, the the Halloween, the Friday the 13th, that kind of formula. Uh, also, interestingly enough, a very another influential film uh, on slashers. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out the same year, 1974. Actually, if you're counting the Canadian release of Black Christmas, it came out the same month. Uh, so uh, it's, it's it's interesting because Texas Chainsaw Massacre obviously is a lot more visceral, a lot gorier, uh, and Black Christmas is a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more psychological. So it's kind of like one formed the heart and one formed the brain. And they kind of came out at the same time, so it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's a delectable Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, yeah. And, and all I want to say is, of all the horror movies that I've seen, I'm not going to sit here and say I've seen every horror film, but Black Christmas is by far probably my favorite horror film that I've ever watched. And so I'm really excited to talk about this today, just because everything about it really, really works well and really is just... Yeah, exactly what a horror film needs to be. Right. So I'm ex- I'm excited. <laughs> it was apparently Elvis's favorite horror film, and wow. he would watch it every. He wanted it tradition that they he and his family would watch it every Christmas, and if this is true, he would have watched it three times every three Christmases before his death. Oh, huh. that's uh. If that's, that's true, that's actually really that's interesting. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I would have expected. I wouldn't have expected Elvis to be into horror movies at all. I know. Well, you didn't know Elvis. Yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Black Christmas was actually... I mean, there's a lot of films that are based on this urban legend, but it, Black Christmas is based on that urban legend about the caller that's in the house upstairs, uh, which is, you know, it's the babysitter with the caller upstairs saying, have you checked on the children? Have you checked on the children? Mm-hmm. Black Christmas is based on that. Uh, when a Stranger Calls is based on that. There's a couple different things that are based on that that urban legend. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a classic. It's a classic that it's it's like genu- genuinely terrifying. It's like that. The idea that somebody could be in your house and could murder you at any point mm-hmm. or yeah. that. Yeah, I mean. It's just really they, they're real life occurrences. This is kind of a side note, but there are real life occurrences of this that are just creepy stories of people reporting like weird things, like moving in their houses and stuff like that in the middle of the night, and only to find out that someone's been living in their attic without their knowledge, like for years. Yeah, and years all the and cool years. spaces. There's a lot of thing of like cruel spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like that's an, an underlying like fear that everyone has. And so uh, that urban legend, like we were about to say, that urban legend was inspired by a crime that didn't even have anything to do with someone like waiting in the house. You know what I mean? But that's still how the urban legend became like to be. And so it's definitely just playing on a primal fear that everyone already has. Yeah, well, uh, there is there, there's a couple instances of uh, there's actually a real life occurrence of this happening like back in I think it was the 40s. Of a guy, they called him the Denver Spider Man. He was he was living inside of a guy's attic, or like in the in like the walls, and he 
there's it was he was like a transient that was living in the walls of this house and he was like relatively undisturbed for a while i mean he was like basically going and like stealing food from this guy Mm -hmm. and i guess the guy found him one night and he killed him like the the denver spider-man killed the the guy who lived in the house i thought the opposite i thought i was like fucking camelot law (laughs) you're dead yeah no the the denver (laughs) spider-man killed this guy and it was kind of it was a mystery for a little bit because people saw you know, like a face in the house for a long time, and they the the doors were locked. The guy mm-hmm. hadn't come out. The guy yeah. who lived there uh, mm-hmm. hadn't come out in a while, and they they found this guy living in the crawl space of this house because they they were like, how did anybody get in and kill this guy? Because mm-hmm. they you know after a while it started to smell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's a terrifying story. But the the idea is just terrifying. Yeah, and so that so the film just plays on that. But then the original murder is weird because it it took place in Columbia, Missouri. We looked at this up. When did you say the 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 murder happened? The original murder that all this is based on? 1950. Mm-hmm. So 1950, it's basically this But it was it wasn't a murder. She was just assaulted, wasn't she? I don't think she was murdered. Was Initially, she? no. She was murdered later. Uh, oh yeah, oh. she was she was definitely murdered Grim. later, I believe. Oh. But yeah, no or I mean Double check me on that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an instance of someone breaking into the house and being in the house. And so this person thought they were alone and okay and everything like that. And then later was assaulted and left. I, th- I think they were also sexually assaulted and everything. Yeah. And um, like I said, I'm not entirely sure how Black Christmas came from that original crime. Because so little of it, because she wasn't a babysitter and she wasn't. Ooh. The well, the the urban legend came from that, and Black Christmas is kind of based more on the urban legend than it is the actual yeah. crime itself. Right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and that, and that's a t- typical progression. I feel like is something to be based more on a a legend being passed around than it is mm. on a real event. Right. I guess they should, if they did Black Christmas today, millennials would just be like, "Yeah, fucking kill me." <laughs> <laughs> Murder me, daddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <Really>? Wow. <laughs> oh, what's this? <laughs> oh, it's a plastic bag. I'm dead. The guy just, the, um, Billy just ends up murdering people with like love pellet with like fucking Daki Makaras. We've just got the Ducky Macara covered like over the head. Or uh, with cat ears on too and everything too. Uh, <laughs> God. He murders he he puts the the uh plastic bag over Clara's face and she's just like, Oh yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> anyway, I guess we should digress for a second. For those who haven't seen Black Christmas, Black Christmas is a movie about it's a sorority house. And it's Christmas time. Not Chris. I don't think it's Christmas Eve. It's not anywhere specific around Christmas. But it's Christmas time. It's the holidays. No one's in class. And it's a sorority of open-minded young women. Uh, <laughs> liberated it? 70s women. Correct. That's a good way to put it. And they start getting strange phone calls after... Well, it's, Go ahead. Uh, it's sort of it's it's sort of established that they'd already been getting them for like a little while. True. Like, because the, they sort of were like, "Oh, it's him again." Yeah, and and that's true. They are getting weird phone calls from a specific person or from specific persons. But the way the movie is different is it actually does track the killer at the beginning going into the house, and you see him make his entry into the house. 
and then more creepier calls start happening, and then it all kind of spirals into madness from there. So that's kind of the basis of Black Christmas. And I mean, it's not very over the top. It's done very in a very subdued way. It's very psychological, but it's still one of the best horror movies that I've ever seen. So that's kind of a basis of where all this stems from. Yeah. It's uh, it was directed by Bob Clark, uh, and Bob Clark did uh, I mean he did some other horror films other than this, but Bob Clark, of course, is most famous for a Christmas Story. <laughs> yeah, which is bizarre. I mean, this is yeah. technically also a Christmas story. Uh, it's a different yeah. kind of Christmas story. Yes, an entirely different kind entirely. Uh, but it, I mean. I personally like A Christmas Story. I know there's a lot of people that kind of hate that movie. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't but... like Christmas films in, in general? sort of that, that kind of sense. So it's never been one that's on my radar. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when I found that out the first time, I was like, huh? Because, uh, like, <laughs> Black Christmas is such an expertly shot film, and it doesn't seem, like, goofy or hokey in, in, in a whole lot of ways so it just surprised me, I guess, mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. I was just like, and then I had to like do some research on Bob Clark. I was just like, who, who is this man who has created both of these? <laughs> and he's done some crazy horror films. He's done Christmas Story, but then he's also done Baby Geniuses. So we have to, <laughs> oh, yeah. we have to sit here and reconcile ourselves with the fact that <sighs> this horror film is made by the same person that made a completely different type of horror film called Baby Geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> and his. His last film was Baby Geniuses 2. Ah! That's his last film. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was so his very sad. last film. Oh, no. I, I know. I, mm, mm. I I don't know what to say about that, really. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to say I, other I than that. I feel like this a quiet pause is necessary <laughs> just yeah. to contemplate how That's... a man can do such things and then to go out with oh, Baby he Geniuses also did, 2. He also did Porky's. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did Porky's. Uh, he also did a film that I haven't watched yet, but I'm very interested in because I did some research about this is uh, Murder by Decree, which mm. is apparently a story where Sherlock Holmes tries to solve the Jack the Ripper murder. So I'm this is really interesting. Yeah, interested uh, in that. Yeah, but uh, Black Christmas was very much Bob Clark's vision. Uh, you can tell just by watching it, the way it's shot, the way it's directed, everything seems Definitely. like it's. It, it's planned. It's very meticulously planned. And so, like, Bob Clark actually drew up storyboards for all of the important shots for this film. He he knew what he wanted everything to look like. He knew uh, the way that it should look and the way it should be presented. And it, it shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wasn't just the director. I mean, he was involved in other aspects of the film. He was the silhouette of Billy when the, the scene where Barb gets killed. Uh, the, where he's holding up the knife, uh, that's Bob Clark. Uh, the unicorn. That's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and the unicorn. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is the unicorn. Sorry. Yeah. The, the I think of it. triangle of light on right, his eye. Right, yeah. the triangle of light on his eye. That's Bob Clark. That's his silhouette. Uh, he did some of the voices over the phone, like some of the, like, you know, there's a lot of abstract screaming uh, coming through the phone, but some of that is Bob Clark. So it's like, this was very much a thing that he wanted to be made. Like, he was putting his heart and soul into this thing, for sure. And it's bizarre that someone who does, otherwise, is primarily known for, like, family-friendly media and stuff. It's very interesting that one of his visions, one of his, like, this is what I want, 
was able to come to screen the way it did. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that he didn't encounter any of the pushback from studios. He was able to do what he wanted. And he was able to create this, like, just almost uh, a perfect film like i'm not gonna say perfect film overall pushback, but there there was some pushback because they wanted him to end it differently initially really? yeah they didn't want the ending that that he had put on there originally it was he they wanted him to uh if i remember correctly they wanted it to be uh was uh peter that did it i think right yeah they, well, they really wanted, wanted peter to have done it oh yeah, no. they wanted less ambiguity. But no. it's, it yeah. doesn't make sense for Peter to have done it. <laughs> well, it makes such it makes such a more fluid and just like deep and just like it's I'm going to use this word the fact that he didn't a, do it. It's a very viscous story. Yeah, if Peter didn't do it, right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, and then that ending is so good, just with mm. the phone just ringing. It's mm-hmm. scarier you know, that he didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would have been obvious if yeah. he had done. Yeah, it. that would that would have just made, uh, well, probably more sense than it should have. You I'm know? pretty yeah. sure I mean, that's like, everyone's mm-hmm. first thoughts when they watch it. Anyway, it's just oh, it's this guy because he's acting weird. I don't know. The fact that they wanted to change the ending is beyond me because that's the movie works so well but, without it. And even though, though there was pushback, he still made the film that he mm. wanted to make. Like it still has the ending that he wants it mm-hmm. to have, and uh, uh, it's great. Yeah. It's really it, great. It is. It's one of those good, like, things out of Hollywood where it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you do yeah. something right every once in a while. <laughs> like, this is good. And this was... Someone's vision was realized, and it's great. A clock is... A broken clock is still right yeah. twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I just want to jump to the fact that I think the reason, one of the reasons the film works so well is just because of the cast. Yeah, oh, definitely. Every single character in this movie is perfect. It's expertly acted. We were talking about this when we were watching it the other day, just to get get kind of bone up on like the specifics of it. Every character is so distinct. De- Every character, like you see their face and you're like, fuck, I know exactly what you're about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so good. It's almost like a comic book. And you know? the yeah. casting of Olivia Hussey, who is one of my favorite, like she's just, she's just so brilliant. She's perfect. Like she, as, as not even just as a final girl, but just as an actress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as an actress, she's great in this film. In some of those like poignant scenes that she has to talk to right. uh, Philip or Peter, Peter yeah. rather. When she's, yeah, when she just has to talk to Peter about what she wants to do with her life. So well done. Yes, and she's. But then also, you have to get out of the house now, and she's scared as shitless. Yeah. That's also. And a she's good got scene. the perfect reactions. She doesn't. She's mm-hmm. not over the top. That's because yeah. she is. Uh, she's originally a Shakespeare actor. She What's did she? a lot of British theatre, so she's very. She's got that classical training where you know they're composed mm-hmm. and they know what. <laughs> she did fucking great. Yeah, yeah, they they know what emotions are once you've done Shakespearean acting. You right. know what I mean? Like she you know would, how to emote. She was in a film adaption of Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so that I think that's probably what she was most famous for up to that point. And she, I, I think. And obviously later on when she was cast in the It miniseries, she's one of the only decent parts about the about the adult yeah. section. Yeah. I had no idea she was in the It miniseries. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. I yeah, did she, not know she's, that. she's uh, Bill's wife. Damn. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched the, that in uh, so long. Yeah. Yeah, the actress wife. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm. But, I mean, like, Olivia Hussey's great. 
Margot Kidder is the best. Margot Kidder is, I mean, if you don't know who Margot Kidder is, Lois Lane. Fucking, she was in Amityville uh, Horror, right? I mean, she's yeah, the she wife was, in Amityville Horror. Yeah, she was Mrs. Lutz. Yeah, she's like, she's been in so many movies of that era, but unfortunately, you know, she just stopped acting after a while and it sucks, but she's such a great actress in this film. She was a political activist for a while. Yeah, so. And like, unfortunately, we lost her to, to suicide. Yep, yeah. that's the worst part. But John got, Saxon, John Saxon, once again, once again plays a dad cop. Daddy Thompson, <laughs> yeah. Daddy Thompson. Yeah. And what'd you say he was in? Otherwise, uh, like, Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. the original Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Dream Warriors. And Dream Warriors. Oh, is he also in Dream yeah. Warriors? Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, I mean, you you have to give it to that fucking. Just what's it, what's his name? The 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 policeman that takes all their information. Oh man, oh, Na, uh, uh, Nash. Who Nash. Up his original name. Best uh. character in the movie by fault of being just the best character, not the best person. Obviously, he's so useless. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote him so well. He's the only comedic thing in the whole film. I fucking hate him <laughs> so much. Yeah. Oh, he's so bad. He's the worst character that's ever been devised. Uh, <laughs> but he, but you look at him and you're like, yeah, that's about how I feel like this would be treated today. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's yeah. like a realistic portrayal of like police indifference. Yeah, <laughs> and so I feel like that's its own statement. And so just to have that portrayed on celluloid is just such a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And then Andrea Martin as Phil. Now Phil's not really in it much in comparison, but especially the moments between Phil and Bob. That's like she's really good. It's like. She's really good at portraying like that done with your stupid housemate, but also mm-hmm. shit scared. Oh yeah. yeah, and but she has some really good like just moments too. Like when she tells mm. Barb she's really drunk. She's like, yeah. You're drunk. And then just the, her facial expressions are so good. She kind of looks off to the side. She's kind of embarrassed about telling Barb you're drunk. Like she doesn't want to hurt her friend's feelings. Right. But she yeah, also wants this conflict just a sweet to character. stop. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. It's great. It's great acting. Uh, um, also, Mrs. Mrs. Mac. Oh my God, Mrs. <laughs> Mac! Mrs. Mac is the greatest. Toilet rum. Toilet rum. <laughs> sherry, actually, it's all the, all the booze she drinks is sherry. Really? Is well, there's Captain yeah. Morgan. I thought Captain Morgan was the one in the toilet, though. No, yeah, I, my... think, I think it's all just this moonlight sherry. I could have sworn it was Captain. I thought it was Captain Morgan. We might have sworn it was Captain Morgan. We'll get back to you next next episode. We'll have an update about whether or not it was Sherry or (laughs) Rob. She's got more boo. She's got she's got enough hidden booze to make Stephen King jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, also, uh, I mean, he plays a perfect asshole in this. uh, Kira Dulea. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about him yet. Alex DeLarge looking motherfucker. (laughs) Smashing up his piano. Yeah. (laughs) Known very well for his portrayal of Dave in 2001 Space Odyssey. He's in this movie, and, like, I can't think of any other movies he's in, but, like, these are some two performances that are so fucking good. And he plays, yeah, he plays a complete asshole in this. But it's such a good portrayal of kind of a psychotic, misogynistic bastard. Yeah. He does it so well. He makes me hate men. <laughs> yes. In, entirely like, well, when I was watching it last night, all the notes I got on him were just controlling twat. <laughs> yeah! And, yeah. <laughs> and unrealistic bastards. 
And I love that part where he tells Olivia Hussey that she, do you never think about anyone other than yourself? And she just looks at him like. a selfish bitch after she says that she won't marry him. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, I'm just like, huh? (laughs) Big bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're you're just going to remove this baby like having a wart removed. Oh, yeah, God. fuck off. Yeah, it's the seventies, dude. <laughs> not to bring it too back, too back to Always Sunny, but Peter is a bastard man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, Keir Delay was in a version that they made l- last year of Fahrenheit. Uh, four fifty one. Yeah, wow. four fifty one. Really. Mm-hmm. Interesting, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he was the voice of Stanley Kubrick in a short about 2001. Ooh. That makes sense. I feel That's like cool. he must have worked really close with Kubrick I like when, they, when they made 2001, so I bet he would be a good person to like imitate his speech patterns and thought process and stuff. Yeah. So that'd be good. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Um, so, I mean, the cast, directing, I mean, the vision of it, that's... You can see that captured in the camera work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the camera work. The camera work is like so masterful. As far as like, there's so many perspective shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, like so many, so many slasher films. And this is my big like pet peeve about slasher films is there's unrealistic movement patterns in a lot of slasher films. You you see the killer upstairs and then he's instantly downstairs or he's in mm-hmm. a kitchen. Yeah. He's killing Jason, somebody in the kitchen. They've all got the Jason Voorhees teleporting technique. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like no rhyme or reason to a lot of the movement, but. In this film, you see every time he comes out, you see every time he's moving around, it's all from his perspective. You, you know where he is yeah. the whole time. The yeah. whole time. You know that he's sitting up there listening. You know what I mean? You know he's probably that just he's... having a wank up there, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> he's just in the attic jacking it. But, but yeah, no, but no, but I mean he's listening to every conversation. He's seeing mm. everyone going in and out. You know right. what I mean? So he, and he's planning accordingly, and you see that in the film. Right. Which is bizarre. Yeah. That's, like Halloween doesn't really do that. Halloween does that little shot at the beginning of, of the first person camera where you see Michael go up mm. and kill his sister, but you don't really get that much out in right. the rest of the film. You also, and like Psycho does that in the in the shower scene, but you also never see him apart from that one moment where you see him in the silhouette when he's killing Bob. You never see. You never see Billy. Other than his eye, yeah. in between the in in between the door, where he's like, mm-hmm. it's me, "That really. is, God, that's <laughs> the most amazing shot." Yeah, it's, it's such so a beautiful good. shot. Yeah, yeah, but it, it so much of this movie is is from the killer's perspective, which it I mean that influenced so much, like slasher film wise. Like, mm-hmm. there's like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two has a lot of POV shots. Yep. Yeah, I mean Halloween has POV shots, and Halloween, as we know, is. Is very influenced by this film. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, highly influenced by this film. We're not going to say like it's the first like killer in a movie that was had perspective from a camera. I mean, like Psycho had that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and I mean, Peeping it's, it's, Tom it's, even had that as well. Didn't yeah, it? Peeping yeah. Tom, Peeping Tom yeah. was a little bit before this, and that, like you could argue that that's even more of the first slasher film. We're not trying to say this is the first slasher film by any means, but to make the formula the way it is, this film, I think. This, this film, film laid the foundation, the and then Halloween yeah. sort of put the icing on the cake. Pretty much. Halloween yeah. made it marketable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but the the camera work, other than just the perspective shots, is really good, too. Like, just the way it moves and the shots that they have and the shots that they make in this are just so good. Like, we talked about the silhouette scene, the scene mm-hmm. with just the eye through the door crack. It's, oh, God, it's so good. The long shots the of the house tri- are beautiful. Like, the yeah. ending shot and the beginning shot of just the lo- the shot of the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, that those are, yeah. That's interesting because it's kind of, like, cyclical. And, and am yeah. I the only one that feels like you kind of know the layout of the house just from watching the movie? Yeah, you know, it's... you see how Billy gets around, and you see where all the characters congregate and move around. Mm. You feel like you've been there a yeah. little bit, it's... and that makes it scary, too. Yeah. It's not like as much as you guys, you guys, Americans have massive homes. Mm-hmm, so you true. can always feel a little bit lost in a house, I noticed, like, from when I was there. This feels <laughs> like a typical house. You can, you you know those rooms, you know that, you know mm-hmm. where everything is. Yeah, and it's funny that you say it's American, because this is a well, Canadian so, yeah. film. I said it's, it's not in an American, <laughs> it's obviously not in an American house, because it's not big. You guys have massive houses. <laughs> yeah yeah we we do and yeah i mean i i agree like it's you know the layout of that house by the end of the movie Mm -hmm. like it's so it's so well planned out well because it's a real house Mm -hmm. that's probably what it is because it was shot in a real house yeah Uh, it wasn't a soundstage or something exactly because i couldn't tell you any layout of any cabin from friday the 13th even (laughs) though they're like they change every time it's like yeah. three rooms, and I couldn't tell you where it begins and where it ends. <laughs> I could give you a good rundown of uh, fucking of uh, the main character's house from Scream, but not not a full rundown. You know what I mean? Like you can't no even other really movie. Place Nancy's house in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I couldn't tell you another horror movie that you have a such a good feel of your space and how claustrophobic it is knowing there's someone in the attic waiting to kill you right yeah <laughs> yeah and that's, that's what the I remake mean, loses the remake made the house feel too big really yeah i guess i should mention at this point i haven't seen the remake and i'll, I'll just be apologetic about it now don't, i'm not really don't interested. apologize yeah there is, I, I, there is no need I like, to apologize about that i like i like the original too much and i'm not interested in what they make uh, the the assumptions they make about Billy's backstory because Billy's backstory is its own big thing that you could go into and I'd rather just leave it up to my own interpretation and leave it at that yeah. like I don't need someone to explain it to me too much information on something like that is it kills it yeah it really does because I don't know my, my prevailing theory is that he was abused but you know and I mean I think that's the prevailing theory of most people but it can be whatever it is he's just a, he's a psycho killer yeah. All of the kills in Black Christmas as well are really creative. Like, other than True. like maybe Phil's, because you end up never seeing her die really. All of the yeah, kills are True. super creative. Like, they're very, they're very off the cuff. Yeah, right. Like they, they were all improvised. It's yeah. It's not like Michael or Freddy or Jason where they have they have an mo. Michael is stab stab knife. stab. <laughs> Michael is stab stab stab. Knife. Jason is occasionally do something cool, and Freddy is I'm gonna slash you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. All of Billy's kills 
are what's at hand. Mm, right. And, and I get the feeling, and like I said, I think this is disputed by a lot of the facts in the movie, but I feel like he never really intends to kill anyone, but then has this, like you were saying, has, has this, this like, compulsion to do it. Yeah. So yeah, first kill, plastic bag. Second yeah. kill, fucking some pulley thing yeah, in the just, attic. Just, just, just a around. random hook. Yeah. yeah, and then the other one took takes the unicorn off the shelf. Doesn't have something with mm. him, so right. they're all just improvised and 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 again, we, we I've been using this word a lot, but very visceral. Mm. Every kill is so visceral, and like you mentioned, taking a possession of someone else's or taking like a piece of someone else's house and using that against them. Yeah, that makes yeah. it very personal. Well, Bar- yeah, Barb's uh, death especially because it's like a thing that she collects. That's like a prized possession of mm. hers, all her mm-hmm. crystal figurines, and that's what's used to fucking murder yeah. her. So, and so you've just, got sort of the red herring before that as well, where she's having the asthma attack. Right, and yeah. you know Billy's in that room because you've seen him, and mm-hmm. he's hiding while Jess is in there, just like, "Oh, you're okay. Well, you know, just go back to sleep." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that fucking choir. Yeah, oh, the uh, fucking carolers. Yeah. yeah, covers up her death entirely. You can't That's hear a good her. Scene. Can't hear her screaming because of the choir. Yep. Yeah, it's really, it's... really well done. Uh, and, and yeah, just like a killer in your house. Just in general, and like that that sense of vulnerability, you feel more vulnerable, I think, around the holidays, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Because when, yeah, when all your family's around or when it's the holidays, your guard is completely down. It's like when you're in the bathroom. People have always said that when you're in the bathroom is like the most vulnerable time for a human being because you don't think anything else can get you there. Holidays are kind of the same way. It's because like you're surrounded <laughs> by love and affection and people you care about. Right. So for something to happen at that time, that's upsetting. You know, that's that's taken the rug right out from under you. Right. And especially yeah. as like Bob didn't have any. The only one who seems to have plans other than the background girls is Claire. Everyone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. They're going with Bob because Bob's parents don't want her around. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that sort of vulnerability with Bob there of I don't have anyone other than my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a big thing too. Totally. Yeah, that's an interesting point that everyone else doesn't seem to have family there. Like she's the only one. The the father's the only one there that's actually come to visit their daughter. You know what I mean? And yeah, he's come and, to pick her up. Yeah, and so everyone else is kind of alone and kind of stranded for the holidays at college and i've had that experience too you know you're at college and it's christmas time and you can't leave because you have to take classes or whatever that's a really real feeling of being just like kind of well i guess i'll just hang out with people over the holidays you know and you're already feeling a little down in the dumps yeah and so vulnerability yeah like we said that is probably the biggest theme in this whole film yeah, mm. it, it's also interesting to point out that like because it's hot happening during the holidays and everybody's kind of caught up in the holidays and also some other things that are going on like that that girl that goes uh, missing and then mm. they find yeah her body, yeah there's a couple different that girls, a lot yeah. of the murders go unnoticed yep yeah Claire's murder goes unnoticed well I mean it doesn't go unnoticed but nobody finds mm-hmm. her yeah. body. Nobody is. Nobody knows uh, the house mother is dead for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it, I don't even think they realize she is dead. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think they, they even realize she's dead. They don't realize really that Claire's dead. They think exactly. she's dead. Yeah, yeah they, but they don't they, realize that she is actually. She she's in the house. She's yeah. left MIA at the end because no one goes up in the attic. 
Mm. Yeah, and so that's a really unsettling if feeling too. Gone up, if somebody'd gone up there, and you'd think the police would. Like we want to talk about police, like fucking incompetence. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ! That, that, you thought at least John Saxon would. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's a kind of also prevailing theme of this is just like police indifference. Well, that's a prevailing mm. theme, and then uh, I think that something does need to be mentioned about that. It's a predominantly female cast. And there are a lot of issues in it that are definitely women's issues. Like Olivia talking about Olivia Hussey's character talking about that she's going to have an abortion, and fucking Peter getting ridiculously riled up over oh, that yeah. to the point of being psychotic. Like that's a fear that I feel like some women have. You know what I mean? Of being in oh, like that but, type of relationship and getting pregnant and but, stuff like for that. For sure. Yeah. So, like a hundred percent. Yeah. So that's I mean, still relevant. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so much of this is very has some feminist undertones too that's another like level of it because i mean if if you're a woman there's some vulnerability there just from life you know what i mean and it explores that really well i think the thing that like like olivia it goes to olivia's olivia hussey's acting is when she's having that conversation with peter at the house and she's she's just like don't expect me to change my plans mm-hmm. because your plans have changed. Right. Yeah. And his plans only changed because he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, his plans only changed because because he was so riled up on his audition day about the fact that she was having an abortion that he didn't concentrate. Right. And that's not his fault. Or that's not her fault. Don't fucking it's, push anything yeah. onto her because of that. Yeah, it's not her fault. It's yours for not concentrating. You. <laughs> arrogant prick is the word you're looking for <laughs> I was just going to say stupid man this movie really she... makes you hate men yeah yeah. Uh, it makes you hate men and, and the cops and the cops yeah. if you which didn't are, which are, and which all are the all cops men. are men yeah I was about to say they're all men I mean this is the, definitely the 70s as far as the police portrayal goes it, one of, one of my favourite bits sort of to do with the police and sort of underlying the police incompetence is the fact that Nash is so fucking dense that when Barb gives him, like, that fake exchange number, like, she's like, oh, it's fallacious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there's that cop in the background when he comes in and just speaks about laughing. it. And he's, he's just way obviously on something, just sitting there pissing himself. That character doesn't do anything in the whole movie other than just laugh. Yeah, he says no words <laughs> yeah. at all. I don't know if you notice this, but he doesn't say anything other than just laughing. That's he's all just he does. a hyena from Lion King. That's all he is. <laughs> but no, he's just... Like... That is also just, like, showing police incompetence. Yeah. Instead of, like, helping his fellow colleague, he's laughing at him. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a very male thing. Uh, I'm looking at this I mean, dumbass. yeah, I'd be fucking <laughs> pissing myself, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I would, like, make it, like, like be like, okay, like, this isn't real. You, This is obvious, isn't it? It's obvious that it's not real. I wouldn't just be, like... In the background, cackling. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd at least laugh when he wasn't in the room. I'd just clap my hand on his shoulder really hard and be like, You dumb! Figure this out yourself, and then walk away. I'd let him figure it out and figure out that he fucked up somewhere, and let yeah. him figure out where he fucked up. But I also love that he's so stupid that he's just like, Oh yeah, no, I won't say anything. And then he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his that phone call at the end is heart-wrenching. Because you're just like, oh, fucking, you're the biggest 
dick bag. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so awful? How did you get here? Yeah. Well, how did you how, even how did get you to become be a, cop? a sergeant? Yeah. Yeah. I, how how did you pass the, like any police <laughs> training? Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> I also love like the atypical thing of like you gotta keep him on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because back in the day, and and Isaac was talking about this. It's like a really realistic, uh, a portrayal of like wiretapping and like yeah. tracing a call. And- you don't see that in many movies. Yeah, that's what I was kind of trying to say when we were watching this. You don't really see the the, the nitty gritty of how they actually trace a call and of no. that how they actually did it. That's insane. What the fuck is he doing in there? It's like a server down, room. So this is like back in the seventies. So they had physical relays. Uh, this is after the time of operators, but before the time of like electronic and digital conversion huh. services and stuff like that. So they had they had actual like uh, mechanical relays that transferred calls, and that's that's what he's doing. He's trying to find which relay is responding to the trace. So he's he's tra- he's crazy. tracing it down through a room full of these relays, and it's I. It's it's really kind of cool. Yeah, I was about to say no. I would love to. I would love to see just a documentary on how they would do that. You know what I mean? Back in the day, because you watch this and you're just like, that is. This is like looking at hieroglyphics to me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like looking at that wall of tracing boxes or or connection cables or whatever. I don't know what is going on. They're all moving at once. How yeah. do you know which one is the one you want? So like. That's another thing that this movie just does. It just is very real, and it just gives you an insight into. Life. It's extremely real. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And then I, I guess the next thing that I want to talk about really quick is, like, I, we already talked about it, but the remake. What what, oh. what goes on in the remake that doesn't go on in this movie? Right. I, unfortunately, was <laughs> somehow have lots of notes on the remake. Because <laughs> someone had to. I bit the bullet. I'm sorry. And, and, and just so for everybody listening, Chrissy just pulled out a notebook and like flipped over a page so so this is a whole page i think this is a full whole page i mean there's like three lines left but oh no right so it follows the plot very loosely i mean like very there's it's got the premise of the sorority sisters cool you know calls coming from inside the house but they don't do any wiretapping or anything like that because it's all cooler ID on cell phones. But they don't yeah. even realise that it's calls coming from inside the house because that's kind of ignored. Really? And, and it's basically just Billy's backstory. That's focusing on the wrong aspect of the movie. Oh, yeah. God, that's focusing oh, on the Oh, and all the girls the are stereotypical mean girls. Yeah. Oh, really? No! Yeah. And Dawn from Buffy is in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, sad. they're all like stereotypical mean girls, and Billy instead, instead of like being someone that is just in the house, it's like a local legend, and it's like because he lived at that house, that's the sorority house, and everyone knows about it. That's it's and that's too much. He has this really, really fucking shit. It's not even body pain. I'd have been okay if they used body pain, but no, because Billy's born with jaundice yeah. because. They have to give some sort of bullshit. Yeah, he has, he has really this, severe jaundice, so he's really yellow. Like, yeah. your like the t-shirt yellow, yellow bastard from fucking uh, Sin City? Yes. No, Simpsons yellow. Oh, He's like no. Simpsons yellow. That's... Yeah. And it's a really bad effect. None like, of it's... that captures what happened in the original... <laughs> 
well. Um, yeah. Not the, the fact that they're mean girls pisses me off because that's not how any of the characters are. They're yeah, all they very really, relatable. They're real. Yeah. They're real characters in the in the seventy four one, but yeah, it's that's dumb. God. And, uh, yeah, it's it's needlessly gory, but as I found out and as I was saying, that was because Harvey Weinstein, because uh, the Weinstein Company owns Dimension Films, who produced the original, no, produced this remake, Dimension Films, he literally wandered onto set and demanded it be more gory, like Saw and Hostel, because those were contemporary films to when this was made. It doesn't surprise me that he would miss the entire premise. He would miss the entire point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Knowing what we know about him now, he just is a terrible person overall. Yeah. What so, would you, would you like idiot. a rundown of Billy of Billy's backstory? I guess for the listeners, let's let let, <laughs> let, let let's get it really quick. Let's get let let's get a good idea of this character that was fine not having any backstory. What they made him the ba- like do fine. So the backstory <laughs> of Billy is that he he's born with jaundice. His mum literally hates his guts and knocks him in the attic. He then breaks out one night and he sees his mum and her lover kill his dad. And she relocks him back in the attic because he, like, she catches him witnessing this. Um, and then one night after his mum doesn't get the physical pleasure she wants from, from her new lover, she just straight up rapes Billy as a rape warning there guys like we should probably put that in the episode thing um she showed up and then Billy fathers Agnes which is mentioned very vaguely in the original as his sister kid um and then Billy one day kidnaps Agnes tears out her eye there's a lot of use of eyeballs and eye gore (laughs) in Black Christmas the remake it's cruel spaces and eyeballs. Yeah. And yeah, Billy ends up killing his mum and stepdad and makes cookies out of them. And when he's caught by the police, he's eating flesh cookies with milk. And then oh, he, yeah. I do he, and Agnes, yeah. he and Agnes, Agnes stays in the house because she ends up going to an orphanage, but she escapes and comes back. And Agnes was played by a man, actually. That's a fun fact. Hmm. All that was needlessly complicated. Billy breaks out of a mental asylum and goes to the house, and then Billy and Agnes end up killing basically everyone. And then two people survive, go to a hospital, Agnes kills someone there, and Billy kills someone there, and it's all really fucking stupid and shit. (laughs) That sounds overly convoluted. And all the references to the original are so fucking, like, in-your-face and poorly done. It's like, oh, there's the unicorn, haha, murdered with it. Oh. And, yeah, it's stupid. There's also a side plot of, like, a boyfriend who was having sex with one of the other sorority girls, and they have a sex tape, and they have to get rid of it. What? Yeah. That sounds like... What was wrong with just the normal, relatable side plot of a girl going to college and a guy going to college, and then... Like their paths diverging, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing. That, that that's so relatable. It's so succinct. There, there's that, also I don't know. Andrea Martin, who plays Phil, is this one's Mrs. Mac, 
And she's really? ended up accidentally killed as well and is really fucking shit. <laughs> that sucks that so she there you had go. to be in there's, there's a br- There's a briefish thing of the remake there. I really fucking hate it. God, it's hot garbage! Uh, <laughs> it sounds like hot, hot garbage. But, uh, but I don't... I don't want to talk about that anymore. Oh, I, I we should mention about the trailers, though. <laughs> they oh oh yeah, the trailers had scenes that were made up for the trailer only that weren't actually in the film. Which is dumb. Yeah, and um, that was the yeah. Weinstein Company's decision. <sighs> well, yep. You know the mar- you know what's on a film when you don't want to watch it. It's Weinstein Company. From yeah. Now on, yep. Probably. Yep. <laughs> now we know. Yeah. Now but um okay, Chrissy, what was your favorite part of Black Christmas? I'll just wanna I just wanna know really quick. The the ending shot, honestly, of the house and the phone ringing and really? it just pulling back slightly and like the soundtrack. So we haven't really mentioned there was a lack of soundtrack other than in yeah, certain we, parts. I was thinking that too, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, because I mean it's interesting because a lot of the soundtracks is, is like broken piano mm-hmm. or Christmas music. Or yeah, Christmas music, true. yeah. Or the, the choir or the carolers, you know, mm. doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting. It's Broken Piano and Peter Breaks His Piano. Yeah, true. And it, like, it's kind of mirroring what mm-hmm. happens in the actual film. But yeah, the Christmas caroling and a lot of the Christmas music is a large part of, of the soundtrack. It's all very thematic. It all fits mm. together. You know, if there's Broken Piano going on in the background of just some of the bullshit in the house, there's piano later on in the movie. That fits. All the Christmas stuff fits. There's yeah. nothing out of place. Right. Plus, and so, so it's just kind of quiet for a lot of it. So it builds mm-hmm. up that tension. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like a, you know, it's like a, you're there, you know, you're not hearing background twinkly piano music constantly in your life. True. You, know, <laughs> as you much do as not I would have like a live soundtrack. I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what are the, what's this piano noise in my head all the time? <laughs> you know. Oh, that's the tinnitus. <laughs> like, you, you don't have that. And so that feeling of there just being house sounds, like the cat meowing, Creeks. Which I know very well. <laughs> or, yeah, the, or just the creaky do, house. Yeah, no, I, I know that too. You know, just like house noises. It's it's more realistic. Also, when yeah. we say that Claude is a good, chunky boy, and <laughs> he is truly the star of the film. <laughs> He's got the chunk. <laughs> he contains chunk. God damn it, Claude! <laughs> uh, Claude is great. Claude is the Jonesy to this film. True. Yes. Uh, for sure. Uh, your favorite moment? My favorite moment. I mean, my favorite moment is simple. It is really when Nash is on the phone telling her, "Fucking the calls are in the house. You got to get out of the house." And she's just like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, duh, I'm oh, dumb." <laughs> and, and then she and then she goes up and finds the bodies and everything. Mm, yeah. And then she goes down into the basement. That's the tensest shit because I don't understand what the fuck is Dave doing down there. Just hey, you there? Anyone there? You Breaks right? the window. There you are. It really gives a red herring. It really yeah. gives a red herring effect of yeah, like you think it is, weird. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Also, is like what happens at the end? Yeah, What's the theory that we have for that? Is like what actually happens at the end? Is it that Jess kills him or is it that Billy kills him and spares Jess? I think that Jess kills him in really? self defense. Okay. Well, she's the one she- with the fire poker, and she's the one holding him. I think it is her. I only, I only question that because at the end, they they seem to be emphasizing, oh, 
she's a, you, there's no way she could have killed him. Like it's like and she's passed out. She's knocked out. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like knocked out with him in her lap. I think yeah. maybe. I mean, she could have hit her head. He could have hit her when she was trying to go for him. It's all true. But I said it, it See, could be Billy. But then the phone rings when she's in the bed. So well, yeah, but that would have been after. That would have been after that he he killed Peter. So I, mm. I don't know. So see, I I I like the idea that it that like the the whole thing. Like I was saying earlier, that I like the idea that it could be that Billy was a victim, and you know that just from the inferences, not necessarily from the remake. You know that Billy was a victim, yeah. and so he sees Olivia Hussey's character being victimized, and then in that moment stops being a killer and becomes like this weird protector figure and kills Peter. And spares her. That's the romanticized version of it that I have. But that's one of the joys of this movie mm. is that it could have been anything. You know, yeah. you don't know. So, uh, I, like I said, I believe what I want to believe. <laughs> yeah. What's, so what was your favorite? Well, yeah. yeah what was your favorite moment? moment? Uh, favorite scene. That's a hard one because I love the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah. I'm going to be basic here. It's the scene where Barb gets killed really yeah it's it's so good brilliant it's so good every shot in that scene is spectacular Mm -hmm. yeah hesitation the hesitation uh the actual stabbing like with the camera behind the crystal figures Mm -hmm. and there's just blood splattering up so it's 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 very well done as far as the death scene goes you'd be hard-pressed to find like a better more well executed and like meaningful death scene you know right it's there are so many good shots in that film that it is really hard to pick. As I said, as I said mine is that favorite, like that last shot with the phone ringing, the house come back as the credits go. But honestly, it's really hard to pick one because mm-hmm. there's the shot of Claire in the window and the use of focus. Oh yeah, her in the rocking chair. The whole movie, yeah, is so the good. whole movie, yeah. yeah. It's it's very hard to pick. So I think I think I think we're allowed the basicness of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that kill is great. No, I'm not even gonna call that basic. That kill is just awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, great. <laughs> it's iconic. Yeah, yeah. Well, iconic to us. I mean, it, it's not. It wasn't like a huge hit. We, we did say it. that we should probably should have mentioned this earlier. Budget for this movie was six hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Grossed four million. Mm. Um, and that's a pretty good return. But you said Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out same year, did a lot better. Very low budget. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like three hundred and twenty thousand or something like wow. that. Wow, yeah. grossed thirty million. Jesus. Yeah. But okay, I think so this is the issue with that is, or well, say the issue with the fact that Black Christmas maybe didn't get as much is because with Texas Chainsaw, that had the notoriety. Yeah. Whereas and Black Christmas would have been. Especially as it was really censored because people were in uprage that it was like with Silent Night, Deadly Night, people were in uproar because it was a horror film set around Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also Texas Chainsaw Massacre had the notoriety of being a true story, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I I mean, part of its hype, but I, I don't know. They're both really great films, of course. Uh, and but it was just a good year for horror films. Yeah, yeah so, Wicker Man. Yeah, seventy four. Wicker Man came really out the same year. Yeah, for horror. Yeah. What do we think is the impact of this movie on slasher films? Definitely was a large impact, more mm-hmm. than they probably expected it to be. Definitely. 
Like, I think that um, it definitely gave you a sense of what a killer needs to be and what he doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I think that there's not a lot of talking on a lot of killers. You know what I mean? Like, there, this whole psychological thing with, in Psycho with Norman Bates, you get to know him as a character and everything like that. And he's effective. Mm. But this kind of changed it. He became, he doesn't have a character anymore. You don't know what he is. You don't really know what Freddy, or I mean, you know what Freddy's about, but you don't know what Jason's about. You're not even really sure what Michael's about. Like, yeah, you get the backstory, but you don't know what's going through his head. And with with Jason and with Michael, you don't really get backstories till end of the film slash in sequels. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with Freddy, you never properly got a proper backstory because they True, yeah, it. Freddy's not really explained. Yeah. Right. So, I think that Billy definitely became like a very big archetype for the killer yes. specifically. Yeah. And then just that feeling of isolation and vulnerability, that's always big. Jess, They're always in Jess very- is definitely an archetype of a final girl. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, perfect was the, one. Was the, definitely the template for final girls. I mean, you could argue the same for the girl in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but she's a little more hysteric. She's more reactionary. Mm. Jess is very much proactive. She's like, I'm going to go to the police. This is not good. <laughs> and when she finds out that the police aren't doing anything, when Phil and when Phil and Bob and Mr. Harrison go, she's like, "No, yep. I'm going to get the I'm going <laughs> to get Claire's boyfriend, and I am going to go to the police, and I and we are yeah. going to demand shit to get done." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just like in in Scream, the main character in Scream, like she is. No, this is not okay anymore. Yes, yeah. you need Sid- to stop. <laughs> Sydney, don't take no shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot of the character tropes in this film were yes. were also just templates for other character tropes in other slasher films. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I don't think it was just the killer, and I don't think it was just just as a final girl. I think it was everybody. I think everybody kind of created that template for these Bob types of characters. Bob was like the drunk character. Exactly. I think it gave you the ability to make the characters... So over the top, but also relatable. Because they're mm. all like really in-your-face personalities. But you know them. Like, I know people that are like yeah. all of these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and slasher movies are good at that, at having those characters that are very flamboyant and out there. But you're like, I know a person exactly like that. Like, we all, and, we all know a Nancy. Yeah, exactly. We all know a Laurie. <laughs> and we all know a Jess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For sure. Like, <laughs> we, we, may, we may not know someone like, um, a to- we may not know Tommy Jarvis, because, you know, what? How old is he meant to be in part four? Like he's like ten or something. <laughs> we don't know a yeah. ten-year-old with with like Tom Savini style effects knowledge. Yeah, um, we all know a Peter. Honestly, it's, let's, I was let's about face to say it. We all know thing. a fucking yeah. nut job man. Mm-hmm. Yes, or a man that's just way too consumed with himself and just too consumed with what he thinks should be happening. You know what I mean? We all know an arrogant bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. So, I, I feel like that's its staying power, is it just created the... the- the the blueprints for everything that came after yeah. it in such a in such a distinct way that whether or not people wanted to, they were like, you know, what they did in Black Christmas was good. I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of emulate that. You know what I mean? Whether they mm. meant to or not, even I think that it's just so on point. This might be a bold statement, but if this movie hadn't happened, Halloween wouldn't have happened. No, I I, I, agree. I, I agree. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think Halloween would have been. Halloween probably would have happened, but not in the way that it, it, that it did. 
Nowhere near as much as it was. Like, yeah. we might be sitting here talking about John Carpenter recreating the slasher film genre in a different way. But because Black Christmas happened, John Carpenter was very much saw that and was like, okay. Yeah. Now I have something to build on. You know what I mean? And so just it made his own thing. It made it different, but at the same time kept some of that DNA. So, so someone made the cake. He just gave it some really nice frosting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh let's just sit back and appreciate a slasher film, a really good slasher film that was not franchised into oblivion. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for but sure. it did have a shit remake like most of these yeah. slasher. But there's a lot of horror movies that have shit remakes. Though. Luckily it was shit enough that we're not we're not gonna get another one. So I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the true. I, think, I mean it's kind of got a weird cult following though, from what I found. People seem to really like it as the years have gone on. But it might it might be that thing of like, oh man, it was terrible, but it's okay. I mean, it isn't. It's fucking garbage. And Everyone's anyone who thinks of Black Christmas <laughs> from 2006 is okay, I'm sorry, but we kind of can't be friends. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know that's a hot take, but there are, there, are some, there are some lines I will not cross. Yeah. Ooh. No, I agree 800% with Jeez. that, by the way. <laughs> I sound uh, like a horror snob, but, yeah. but there are some lines that I just cannot cross. The movie's garbage. It's so I mean, bad. If you, I don't know why you like it. I'm sorry. It's not even good. It's not good garbage. It, if you listen garbage. to this and you like it, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I want to go back to reevaluate your really life quick. choices. Are we, are we talking about like a half-eaten slice of pizza that you know is from the night before, <laughs> just sitting on the top of the tr- can? Is that good garbage? Yeah, like the one bite eclair from Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good garbage. Black Christmas is not. It is definitely the the half-eaten apple that's been under the mac and cheese in the garbage can, and you don't want to touch it. But when someone does, you're like, "Why did you do that?" It's mostly mold. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, I really love this film. This yeah, film is great. Uh, and it's a good film. Oh, anyone who has not seen the original Black Christmas, I highly recommend it. It's such a good movie. One of my favorite horror films. Um, but if y'all have any better suggestions of what you think is a better horror film, or if you want to yell at us about that Black Christmas was good, we won't listen to you, but we'll certainly <laughs> certainly take it into consideration. <laughs> yeah. You said you said we're on Twitter, and you said we're on other social media platforms. Yeah, we're on Twitter at. Yeah, on Twitter at PC of the Dead. Uh, we have a Gmail. It's Podcast of the Dead at Gmail. Uh, and we're on Facebook. Just search Podcast of the Dead. It's pretty easy, I think. Uh, 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 easy. Uh, and before we go, I have a final thought. Uh, okay. Look, uh, one of our t- who will be long-time listeners did, <laughs> me- did message me last night about how much he hates Bob's hair. <laughs> 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 he fucking hated it. He his his response was, "Why is it a bob, horrible bangs, and a top knot all at once?" Because she's drunk. And, and also, <laughs> it's the seventies. That's how I, That's how my hair looks when I'm drunk. What are you talking about? It's drunk seventies hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all we can say about it, really. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, we're making. Uh, we already have a lot of episodes that we have planned, so we're really excited about the next few ones that we got coming up. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank, thanks for listening to us <laughs> ramble about. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid gore and ghouls and, and ghosts <laughs> about cross spaces uh, and eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> we love you. Thank movie. you.
Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.